Welcome to Teachers in America, a production of HMH, where we celebrate teachers and recognize their triumphs, challenges, sacrifices, and dedication to students. I'm the Senior Director of Community Engagement, Noelle Morris. Each episode, I meet a new teacher friend to learn about the latest lessons and innovations from the classroom. This summer, I had a chance to meet Lighthouse winner Eric Cavalli who is a K-12 adaptive physical education teacher for the Manor Independent School District in Texas. Eric uses a wheelchair for mobility and is an inspiration to his students. He's an example of someone who knows firsthand that having a disability does not limit your ability to accomplish your goals. In his role as an adapted PE teacher, Eric has encouraged more students to participate in the Special Olympics program, with participation tripling in the last school year. In today's episode, Eric shares strategies to create an accessible learning environment, including how to support students both physically and emotionally, and how to encourage students to advocate for themselves. Now, let's get to the episode. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of Teachers in America, and today I get the pleasure of being with Eric Cavalli, who is one of our Lighthouse winners in the first year of launching that. Um, and he is a adapted physical education teacher. And so I think y'all and I know y'all are going to have a wonderful time listening to him and learning from him. So Eric, I ask every teacher first to describe their teacher journey in three words. So uh, if I had to use three words to describe my teacher journey, I think I would say love, passion, and perseverance. Wow. Why do you lead with love? Because for me, teaching is all about like the love for the students. And that is really what, you know, drives me and is why I stay in it. Why did you put perseverance last? Because I definitely have had a lot of difficult times where I've thought about if I've really wanted to stay in education, but having the perseverance to you know stick with it and I mean and the, it is tied with the love and the passion also right because those two things are you know what allows me to persevere. Do you ever notice when you're having one of those hard days and then all of a sudden a student says something at the right time and you're like, okay. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. Yeah. That's the love, right? That's like, it is why I love to do the job is because the kids. And what grade level do you teach? So I do K through 12. Wow. Yeah. So I go into PE classes in our district and cause I'm the only adapted PE teacher in our district. So I work with all the students on my caseload in elementary, middle and high school classes. Okay. So what does a day in a life look like for you? I mean, do you have a schedule by building or by grade level, or could you be working with fourth graders and then traveling across the district and then working with 10th graders? Yeah, actually, I like make my own schedule. So depending on what aligns with the PE classes that my students have, because since I'm always trying to do, you know, least restrictive environment for my students, I go into their the inclusion PE classes that they're in so I make it around their schedules and then but I also do try to use proximity right because I don't want to like have to be driving back and forth and back and forth but I also do the special olympics for the district too so I have like my own office on an elementary school campus too so when I'm not meeting in the PE classes I'm you know planning for that or holding practices for special olympics stuff too so it's been dynamic which is fun what has been, if I, if you're 
okay with me asking this question. When you go in, how are you looking for those limited environments that you need to support the school having it become more accessible? This was my first year doing it, but at the beginning of the year, I started with observing the kids and getting to know the kids before I started, you know, doing a lot of interventions. So that was kind of like my initial like way of trying to figure out what would work best. Because if you just read their paperwork, that doesn't really do much, right? It can mean so many different things. So seeing them in the classrooms, interacting with the other students and the teacher. So then I know, okay, this student doesn't actually need that much extra support from me, you know, socially or emotionally, but they need more support when they're doing a specific skill, right? Versus some students really need me to be there so they feel safe, right? So yeah, it kind of just depends from kid to kid, which that's been a really cool part of the job too. So you're differentiating based on their need socially, emotionally, as well as then physically? Yeah. Since I'm doing adapted physical education, you know, the part of the job that you would normally think of is the physical side, the skills, but um, the social emotional has been a really big part of it for me as well. And I've noticed that you can't really work on skills with the student if they're not socially, emotionally feeling safe. What brought you to the Lighthouse Awards? Who nominated you? Was it was the whole process a surprise? So yeah, it, it was a surprise to me. The director of special education in Manor, she went to the conf- a conference, I think, with the author of the Lighthouse Effect book. So she and she nominated me, and so I I didn't know I was she, that she had even nominated me until I had heard from y'all that I was like one of the finalists and I was like, oh, wow, this is really, this is amazing. And then they like recognized me at the district in, in Manor. And then I got the email from y'all that I had won. And then all this being here for the weekend and everything, it's been amazing. Yeah. So Eric, I'm very confused because I know when we were talking, we had a chance to have a pre-conversation. Yeah. <laughs> You're from California. Where is the y'all coming from? So I've been in Austin, Texas for six years. Yes. And I am married to a Texan. And so the y'all, I mean, I, um, do, I like using y'all a lot more too. Cause I always used to say you guys, but it's just not as Isn't inclusive. Y'all just so, so much easy? easier. It rolls off the tongue. And I'm just like, especially like in the beginning when I started working in Austin with my students, I would say, all right, you guys. And, uh, the students would be like, we're not guys, like not all of us are guys. Like, why are you using that? And I'm like, I'm so sorry, y'all. So that they taught me really <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah. <quickly. laughs> um, so have you learned that all y'all is plural for y'all? All y'all. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have very that. important. All y'all. Yeah. Cause you can't just say, well, I guess you, could you just say y'all need to, you know, like if I'm talking to the four people that are around here, I'd be like, y'all, we're going to go somewhere. But if I'm to my class or my students, yes. I'm like, all y'all need to yes. look up here yeah, and I use it in text and stuff too. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. So I'm I'm also curious about this. What food did you start eating when you moved to Texas that was different from California? Uh, breakfast tacos for sure. Because they don't have so. Do y'all have y'all know about breakfast tacos being a big thing? Yeah, that was not a thing in California. We had breakfast burritos, but like everywhere you go in Austin, there's breakfast tacos and they're delicious and I love them. So that was definitely probably the biggest 
And every time people come to visit from California, they're like, why don't we have breakfast talk? Like we should start this in California. <laughs> it would be huge. Yep. Okay. So now that we've taken a whole completely different direction, <laughs> but now we have our fans that are like, oh, I say y'all too. And I eat breakfast tacos and I'm from Austin. Did you have someone in your educational journey that you would consider your lighthouse? So really my wife that I met in teaching, she's been such an amazing lighthouse for me and um, has like pushed me to become more passionate educator. I guess I would say she's started a food pantry at Del Valley High School where I used to teach, started the Women's Empowerment Club there as well and has just does so much for not anything but just to help, right? And they're just not doing it for any, you know, incentives that are... Because we know how it is in public education, right? Not, you know, you're not getting paid more for doing more work, right? So that was, for me, has been something that's really pushed me to be a uh, bigger, better educator. Hey, teacher friends. If you're an HMH user, did you know you have access to Teacher's Corner on Ed? Included with every HMH program, Teacher's Corner is a community of teachers, learning experts, and coaches gathered in one place to support you with a new kind of professional learning. Bite-sized, teacher-selected, and teacher-driven. With on-demand sessions, lesson demonstrations, program support, and practical resources, Teacher's Corner lets you choose how you interact with our content. I like to think about it as inspiration on demand. Um, so I met Firefly, who is your service dog. Yes. Do you get to take her to school with you? Um, yes, I do. So that's been amazing. Yeah. So the last five years before I did adaptive PE, I was doing AP world history. And so in that classroom environment, she was really good for like helping with test anxiety, creating that classroom culture. And now working in adapted PE, she's been amazing to help motivate the students. And, you know, just if students are having a tough day, um, they feel safe and happy seeing her. So that's been awesome. And even actually having students, some of them are afraid of dogs. And then after getting to know Firefly, they're not, they don't have that same fear as much. So that's been really cool as well. Is there programs out there or for families who might have, you know, a child that is disabled where they can find out about getting their own service dog? How does a family or a student advocate for themselves if they find you know, observing you that that's something that would support themselves. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that. Cause this organization actually canine companions for independence, they are, have been amazing. So I found out about this program. I got hurt snowboarding when I was 18 and when I was in spinal cord injury rehab, cause I it was a spinal cord injury. One of my occupational therapists had a dog from the same organization. Cause you can have a dog as a therapist and that dog like to work with your clients or your students or whoever it is that you're helping, or you can have a service dog through this program that'll help you with your, like to have more independence in your life. And so after I met her dog, I was like, okay, I really want to get one of, one of these dogs for myself too. And so it is like a, it's a process, but if you go online, like canine.org is where they are. Um, and you, you know, can, like I said, if you are a professional working education, a therapist, counselor, you can also, you know, apply and they have all the info on there so you can see if it would be a good fit. But 
I do advocate it like in our meetings with students and parents. I'm like, like this program be a great fit for your child. Like you guys should really look into it because it's free. It's a nonprofit organization. And so like when she retires, cause she, you work with a dog for, they work for six years. Mm-hmm. And so once she retires, I'll move to the top of the list to get a new service dog and she'll just be my pet. So you keep the dog forever. Yeah, don't oh, <laughs> I don't have to you. give the dog like, back. I know that's always, that would be like tearing my heart out. But, but yeah, no. it's, <laughs> it's, it's part of, um, we're going to have to have you back on to the podcast because <laughs> I have so many other questions. I would um, love to. <laughs> and I want to talk more about, you know, helping a child learn to advocate for themselves and understand themselves more based on you. And also, you know, how open and authentic you and vulnerable you've been probably to share your story. When you go to work every day, what is the first word that pops in your mind? Like, do you have some sort of mantra or anything that's a routine for you for mindfulness? So I I really try to keep a like really positive mindset. Like mindfulness is something that's really important to me and not getting like too wrapped up in like, you know, when you do have those tough emotions or having those tough mornings. But I kind of had the like, I don't know if you've heard the song Sunday Best, where it's like feeling good like I should. <laughs> and like having that just kind of positive, even though obviously like, can't always be positive, but having that kind of as like that back, um, kind of mantra. Yeah, I guess. Well, it has been a pleasure meeting you. I definitely am going to follow you. I've got to figure out how we can continue to have conversations. Um, and congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. That someone recognized you and that you were selected as a lighthouse winner. And I think you have a platform and a voice that needs to be out there and being heard. So thank Uh, you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it. (laughs) If you or someone, you know, would like to be a guest on the teachers in America podcast, please email us at shaped at hmhco.com. Be the first to hear new episodes of Teachers in America by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate, review, and share it with your network. You can find the transcript of this episode on our Shape blog by visiting hmhco.com forward slash shaped. The link is in the show notes. The Teachers in America podcast is a production of HMH. Executive producers are Christine Condon and Tim Lee. Editorial direction is by Christine Condon. It is creatively directed and audio engineered by Tim Lee. Our producer and editor is Jennifer Carujo. Production designers are Mia Fry and Thomas Velasquez. Shape blog post editors for the podcast are Christine Condon, Jennifer Carujo, and Alicia Ivory. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>